Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. Asia-Pacific markets are trading largely in the red this morning following a mixed performance on Wall Street overnight. Seoul is down 0.4%. Tokyo is off 0.2%. Sydney is flat. Joining me now to break down all the market action. It's Wednesday, 12 October. How's it looking, Ryan Huang? Happy hum day, Michelle. So far, so good. And to you. I must say, you still have the post-vacation glow. We'll see how this... Last. How long this lasts? <laughs> it's a new haircut too. <laughs> Pet hair. Oh, I see, I see. Uh, we start this morning with the company that invented the thumb drive. Remember that? That device used to be so ubiquitous for saving files, transferring data. It was like all the rage. Companies used to give yeah. it out as gifts, right? I imagine pretty much showing up at every event and it would be in the press kit. <laughs> and it's pretty much still used every, uh, in all places. So it really spawned an entire industry by itself. Absolutely. And it featured in many a thriller. Spies, criminals, whistleblowers, and then copying files at the heart of the mystery, right? Well, the company that invented the thumb drive is right here in Singapore. It's called Trek 2000 and it's in the midst of its own drama. Its founder, Hen Tan, has been convicted in court and sentenced to jail. So what did Hen Tan do? Yeah, quite a big fall from grace. Um, you've got the 66-year-old uh, then former CEO of the mainboard listed Track 2000 International, uh, they were the poster boys for the Singapore tech industry. Now he has pleaded guilty to five charges of engaging in conspiracies to falsify accounts, forge documents and cheat external auditors. So this really was unraveled when their auditors, Ernst and Young, were looking at the books for 2015 and they found some irregularities and then they dug a bit deeper and they found that indeed the books were cooked up and some of the numbers were just not correct. And one of the big issues was how Han Tan apparently plucked out a number from thin air, $3.2 million to report as profit because in that year, 2015, he felt that you know, the business wasn't doing too well and he felt he needed to inject some profit into the company and the books. So that just triggered alarm bells and then Ernst & Young dug even deeper. And then it turns out between 2006 and 2011, he conspired with his CFO, Gurcharan Singh, to falsify financial statements pertaining to licensing income. So it is a very long-running saga of sorts. Um, and they highlighted, Ernst & Young highlighted that the... Um, boldness of these um, I guess episodes of falsifying accounts just was compounding year on year and it started with 11% in 2011 by 2015 the figure ballooned to 666% of the income that Track 2000 was earning that's how much it was inflated by it's so interesting how these minds that dream up these revolutions, I mean, the thumb drive took us from floppy disk to something else entirely. How these minds, these same minds, can also think it's okay to cook the books, for example. For more than five years, that's what Hentan did at Trek 2000. Now, prosecutors say Hen, quote, made a mockery of corporate governance in Singapore. Thumb drive sales certainly are not what they used to be. So what else does Trek 2000 do? 
Yeah, Track 2000. Uh, actually, it's a quite interesting story um, because it's also a story of how Han Tan did not manage to maximize his invention because it's a whole story about IPs and whatnot. So that's another different topic for a different day. So looking at what Track 2000 is doing, mm. uh, if you look at his website, it's got actually an interesting range of products and services. So it's got its fingers in storage, wireless, security, medtech, uh, so things related to what's pretty much the future of technology, IoT. And it's got security solutions and it's able to customize products for its customers. So it does have on the surface something that I think a lot of businesses want in order to be ready for the business of the future. Yeah, everything from a patient tracking system to a smart sensor for a diaper, so you're instantly notified when that diaper is wet. And by the way, they're also selling flash drives and some drives, 32 gigabytes, on their website. Shares of Trek 2000, Ryan, are down nearly 30% since the beginning of the year, trading at just $0.07 cents per share. Now, with Tan's sentencing, do you think the company is going to be able to put this episode behind it? Well, at least according to the company back to August when it filed with the SGX's mm-hmm. statement. Uh, Track 2000 says it does not expect any financial impact from the charges against its ex-CEO Hentan. It said back then that it remains unaware of any financial misappropriation from the charges faced by him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this was back in August, so we'll see if there is any new information that has now come to light uh, and look out for any further details from Track 2000. Uh, perhaps things have changed since... Um, the latest developments. Next up, let's turn to an industry that has been struggling of late. Actually, it seems to have gone from boom to bust very quickly. And where there is also a ray of hope for it today is in Japan. I'm talking about chip makers. Their earning estimates are falling at the fastest rate since 2008. Share prices of major chip manufacturers are taking a big hit as well. But in Japan today, a company that designs chips is set to go public in Japan's largest IPO of the year. The company is called Socionext, and its backers include Panasonic, Fujitsu, and the Development Bank of Japan. So on the one hand, Ryan, it seems the timing for Socionext listing couldn't be worse. But there mm. are signs that the listing today will be well received. What do you think? Yeah, that's a very good point, Michelle. When you look at what's happening in the chip space, everyone is selling off. Well, at least many people are selling off. And then you have an IPO from a semiconductor company and it was lapped up by investors. So Sosunex designs, develops and delivers systems on chips and it's got customers in the various sectors of consumer, automotive, industrial fields. And you pointed out it already has the backing of Panasonic, Fujitsu. And that means it's got strong backing and already likely a pipeline of customers. So all in, I think investors found that attractive mm-hmm. and it's also the fourth semiconductor company to go public in Japan during the past two years and it's the biggest among the country's nine semiconductor listings in the past decade. That's how big it is for an IPO. And looking at the demand, it looks like only long only funds have taken up the deal and of course against that backdrop of weak IPO capital fundraising right now, uh, Socionex really bucks the trend. I think it also speaks to how much I guess, optimism there is that Socionex is in a good place to tap on what's going on with the backdrop of the US-China tensions. Maybe it could get some of the business from elsewhere that is now being restricted. 
Yeah, so the story is being contextualized as, you know, a, a success, uh, a debut that comes amid chip-related stocks uh, facing a rout. So the semiconductor demand seems to have gone from boom to bust in less than a year. But my question is, has demand for chips really gone off the cliff? I think it's a question of relativity, right? Hmm. We've seen in the past few years, things going really boom time for these chip stocks. People staying at home and then there was a crunch in supply and that really led to a strong push and demand for chips. You know, everyone needed chips. EV makers, smartphones, laptops, playstations and there was a short supply. Mm-hmm. So things really went up for the past few years and now things have had to come down because things are starting to normalize. So in that sense, we are seeing a bit of more Moderation, people are starting to cut back on that demand and profit expectations in line for the past three months have fallen 16%. If you look at the benchmark Philadelphia Semiconductor Index, that is down 42% this year and is on track for its worst performance, annual performance in 14 years. That's a reflection of how much demand has fallen off. And in the morning headlines, we've seen how Intel has come out to say it's going to be reportedly laying off thousands of workers because of a bleak outlook, which it already hinted of mm-hmm. um, when it said it's going to be seeing $11 billion less than what they expected earlier. So that's a reflection of how much things have changed for the industry. In Asian trade yesterday, shares of Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing plunged more than 8%. Samsung was even harder hit. It fell 30%. Let's turn to the UK where an announcement by the Bank of England is rattling markets. What's the latest on this front? Okay, so the latest is a deadline. Three days. That is when the emergency support is ending. And just to recap, this started nearly two weeks ago, really triggered by what happened with the government of this trust when she rolled out a series of tax cuts which were unfunded. And that led to bond use spiking and prices dropping because people just lost confidence with the bonds in the UK bonds. And that had implications for many parts of the financial markets, particularly pension funds, because they hold a lot of these bonds. And with bonds, those prices just plummeting, plunging, uh, many of these funds had to rebalance their books to just be well positioned. So that meant selling bonds and it kind of leads to a spiral. And then at some point, it would then mean they would go bust because of the asset value of these bonds. So that is what was potentially going to happen two weeks ago until the BOE managed to intervene with the markets with its bond buying program. But it says now it's going to end in three days time. So for pension funds and everyone else, do what you need to do before they withdraw liquidity. So markets are starting to, well, be a bit shaken up by that, even though it should have been seen to be coming. It wouldn't be lasting forever. But Mm. markets just acting with, I guess, a bit of caution right now with what's going on elsewhere, just selling first and asking questions later. The British pound has dropped below 110 versus the US dollar. And this for the first time since September 29th. And analysts say the selling is likely far from over. Now, when we talk about turmoil in the gilt market, there are also concerns about a possible contagion effect. Analysts say traders are now eyeing bonds in Germany, Italy and the emerging markets. What have you noticed on this front? 
Yeah, it is really tough to find a place to hide these days. Um, many people I've been speaking to say cash seems to be king these days. Wait it out until clearer signs are there. And there is a case for that because if you look at what's playing out, there is a wall of worry just building up. The latest comes from a warning from the IMF saying that the worst is yet to come and it's just dropped its forecast again. And you have them just joining the long line of naysayers saying, no, the sky is falling and things that are not so peachy for the outlook. And then you have the earnings season yet to come. So you have that potentially becoming a catalyst for more selling. If these companies just paint a darker picture that they can't pass on their costs, they're going to cut back. And already we've seen some hints. Uh, Intel was saying or reportedly going to be cutting jobs and it could be just one of many just bracing for tougher times ahead. So that's going to be one to watch out for. And the bond markets is going to be a tough one because, for example, the UK, it is facing quite a tough fiscal position. It has to, on one hand, try to cut taxes, but it has to find revenue for its programs. So it's really stuck in quite a difficult position right now. Look at that fall for the pound versus the dollar. What a swift fall. All right, time for more corporate news and other headlines. And we'll do this game show style. It's up or down time, Ryan. Let's start with US companies that rely on gig workers like Uber and DoorDash. It will be a down for me. It's more bad news. And this is going to be around how there is proposed changes for how workers are classified, at least in the US. So this is where... Previously, you had these employees being classified as independent contractors. They will now be classified as employees. That means a change in benefits, how these people are paid. So a lot more liabilities for companies like Uber and DoorDash. So likely more compliance and additional costs. Yeah, so there's good news for some, bad news for others. Uh, the Biden administration proposing new rules that could classify gig workers as employees. So potentially great news for drivers who will get health insurance, other benefits, but bad news potentially for the business models of companies like Uber, Lyft and DoorDash. In fact, their shares suffered a big sell-off overnight. All right, let's see whether the steam of the sky is falling down continues. China liquor stocks. I am going with down for Chinese liquor. I am trying to figure out what's going on here. So you've got a report actually coming out that people may be reading a bit too much into because Uh it doesn't outright to say what people seem to be thinking that there is a crackdown that will affect the Chinese liquor sector. It's all around this report that says people going into careers as civil servants should be aware that the sector is facing more regulation. And the report highlighted various examples, including how drinking during the work week is banned by local officials. So no new news per se. It just highlighted various things. And the nuances of it seem to suggest various things that people took it away as how there could be a crackdown on the liquor sector. So I guess it's a case of self-first ask questions later. Yeah. So rumours are circulating in China that Beijing will ban liquor consumption by civil servants even when they're off the clock. And there is some precedent for this. At least two local Chinese governments have told civil servants that they cannot drink. As you can imagine, shares of Chinese alcohol companies are down on the news. 
I'm sure that makes many want to reach for some drink, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Companies that make air fryers, blankets, and warm clothes, how are they doing? Well, I really connect with this story because I am feeling so cold in the studio right now. <laughs> Me too. Um, and this is around what's happening in the UK. You know, winter is, um, I guess, coming and it is showing... A lot more people are just stocking up on these items just to keep warm. And this is looking at UK retail sales in September going up. 2.2% year-on-year increase. I'm so cold in the studio. I think my nose is frozen. People in the UK and Europe, though, they are gearing up for a cold winter and they are worried about rising energy prices, particularly in the face of war with Ukraine. And as a result, they are buying a lot more of those warm clothes, uh, blankets, even air fryers we hear. Property prices at Suntech. I am going with up for this one. So this is around the headline. There is a buyer who has paid a record $3,850 per square foot for the top floor of Suntech Tower 1. So this apparently was a Thai buyer and really just sets things up for prices to go up in Tower 1. Yeah, absolutely. The highest on whole floor basis for an office deal in Suntech City. So definitely up on the back of that news. Property prices in Bugis though. Okay, on the flip side, not so great news for Bugis property prices, at least on the surface. So mm. we had this deal uh, being reported by the Business Times previously and this was involving... Boogie's Junction Tower. So an expected sale has now fallen through after the potential buyer, Sun Venture, finished his due diligence and decided not to go ahead with it. So that is a down for at least the deal. I agree. It's not the same story in Bogus. The sale at Bogus Junction Towers has fallen through, as you've heard. Let's check in on how stocks are doing this morning, shall we? We're 25 minutes into the local trading day. Most major Asian markets closed significantly lower yesterday. The Nikkei 225 and the Asia Dow both fell more than 2%. The Straits Times Index finished in the red as well, but not by as much. The STI fell a fraction of a percent to close at 3105. So how are the blue chips performing this morning? And is the STI finding support at the 3100 level. All right, so looking at what we have, it's pretty much tracking the rest of the region. A subdued start, and you've got markets in Singapore underwater right now by 0.3% at 3,094. So that 3,100 mark, pretty much a bit of a resistance level at this point. And if you look at the Various constituents, we have slightly more red than green right now. At the bottom, we have sets down over 2%, followed by Jardine Sucker and Carriage, Wilma International, Hong Kong Land and Capital Corporation. If you look at the top of the table, we've got Dairy Farm International up by 1.2%, Capital Land Integrated Commercial Trust in second place up by 1%, followed by Capital Land, Ascenders, Reed, Capital DC, Reed, and Singtel. So all in a rather subdued start, just a lot of waiting and seeing as we look out for the inflation data from US out tomorrow night, Mm-mm. as well as the GDP figures for Singapore out on Friday morning. All right, before I let you go, one last story, Ryan. It seems that uh, a joke about incognito, the mode, the browsing mode, that was made at Google, that joke that was circulating has spawned a major class action lawsuit. What do you make of this? 
Yeah, for those of you not in the know, right, you can actually activate incognito mode on your Chrome browser. And that will then give you that, I guess, guise of privacy because it won't track you in terms of how there won't be a history of the sites you've visited, naughty or otherwise. Oh. It just won't be tracked. But it doesn't fully cover your tracks because Google still knows what you're doing. So that is the joke that came out from this office email. And then okay. now it looks like it has come back to bite it because it's being brought up as one of those civil suits against Google for how it's been naughty on the privacy front. Oh, goodness me. So is incognito mode truly private? That was uh, the email message that ironically marketing chief Lorraine Tuhill over at Google had circulated. And it was part of a discussion on ideas on how to gain users' trust. Do you use incognito? I sometimes use it because it's useful if I need to do multiple sessions of a website to do like um, comparing shopping prices if uh, I'm not logged in for something will I get a cheaper price? No, sometimes they track your behaviour oh, this way Okay, thanks that's a new usage case for me when it comes to incognito uh, you know when it comes to total privacy can't beat the B- VPN in my book but it's so interesting that a discussion like this I guess that the, the main takeaway is be careful of what you say at work always always <laughs> Particularly when you have the mic on. Thanks very much, Ryan Huang. There with me on your money. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.